You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. What's going on? Happy Thursday. Welcome to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Matt Miguez here. And, you know, first, let me bring in producer extraordinaire and the co-host with the most, Mr. James Mesh. James, what's going on, buddy? What's kicking? Want some chicken? I had Raisin Cane's last night, actually, so I'm good. Oh, I'll pass on it. Thank you, though. Perfect. Um, today is my Independence Day. <laughs> okay. Quote, unquote. Yeah. Uh, it, it's Cinco de Mayo. We, we love... We love Cinco de Mayo. I saw Jordy rocking the, the, the festive hat and played the festive Mexican music. I mean, how, how could you not love a holiday where alcoholic beverages and good food are on special? Right? I mean, it's, it's a great day. Uh, so that's our poll question for the day is, what's your favorite Mexican food? Is it tacos? Is it enchiladas? Is it a quesadilla? Is it something else that you want to comment? James Mesh, what you got? Whew. It wouldn't be a James Mesh Taco Bell order if I didn't get a quesadilla. Really? Yeah. Just a plain old chicken quesadilla? No, I do steak. I mean, that's a little better. Any Anytime I go... Uh, I always get taco uh, like Taco uh, Bell's quesadillas aren't even good. I like them. Funny enough, I actually do like them. All right. I work. I, I used to work at Taco Sisters, and I did. I did a quesadilla a few times. I would generally just go with a bowl, just because it's easy, and I could just use a fork. But if we're going obviously more traditional, I tacos are cool, but uh, quesadillas just hit different for me. I'm going tacos. Uh, I know that that's you know traditional. But wow, you see, <laughs> basic. But you see, there's so many ways that that you can you can do a taco. Okay, you can start with the protein, right? You go chicken, steak, shrimp, fish, and then there's. Can you not do that with a quesadilla? Be kind of hard. Not really. Could you imagine stuff and fish in a quesadilla? Be kind of hard. It's pretty much any other protein. It's the same thing. I've never seen anybody do a fish quesadilla. I'll do it. I'll prove you wrong. Okay. All right. We got a big show today. At 4.30, Jay Walker is going to join us as he does each and every Thursday for Cajun's Corner. At 5, Elliot Clough, formerly covering the Pelicans, now covers the University of Northern Iowa. He will join us to do an in-depth analysis on New Saints offensive tackle Trevor Penning. And then here comes the biggest part of it all. We've got some three-time state champs in the house. Technically four, if you, if you thanks COVID, uh, technically four. The Notre Dame Lady Pios are going to join us at 415. Just a slight flex. So... I, I I told I told Coach Dale Sarah to bring a couple players with him, okay, and I gave him some suggestions as for for players. 
he decided to bring the nation's home run leader and the nation's RBI leader. Those are pretty good choices. I like those. So we'll we'll see how that goes. That'll be fun. We'll have a we'll have a packed studio because they they brought the state championship trophies with them. And not, and how many did they bring? Not just one. They brought they brought all three. Not just two. They brought all three. All three. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. 2019, 2021, and then 2022. So that'll be fun. That'll be a fun uh, conversation. We're going back to 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 back. Yeah. That's a winning machine over there in Crowley, man. That is insane. Couple of housekeeping things we need to get to. Murray State transfer KJ Williams has committed to LSU, reuniting with his former head coach, Matt McMahon. Now, this has been in the works for a couple of days. It, it was pretty much expected that it was going to happen. The six foot ten, two hundred and forty five pound center led the Racers in scoring and rebounding last season with eighteen points a game and eight point four rebounds, respectfully. James, from your perspective, LSU basketball. You know, shortly after Matt McMahon was hired, things kind of looked pretty bleak because they didn't have any scholarship athletes on the roster. Yeah, for like a couple of days, they they didn't have any. They just, but, well, they they had just like a, a couple guys. But now he's bringing his Murray State guys in and convincing a couple guys to come back to Baton Rouge. Think things might be looking up for the Bayou Bengals. Of course. I mean, if if you're one of the top schools in the nation and you're seeing they got some spots open, you're telling me you wouldn't go over there? That's true. You're telling me you wouldn't want to go play for the LSU Tigers? Even if you're even if you're from like Montana or let's say you are a New Yorker or from Cali. Well, let's say like USA or UCLA, let's say those those colleges aren't open. But you see, oh, an SEC school, one of the top of the nation. Yeah, but let me play. Let they me. did. They did have some controversy, but they just got rid of the controversial guy. I was about to say, but let me play devil's advocate here. They've got impending penalties from the NCAA coming, which could hinder your ability to have success. But if my plan is to get out of here in one or two years. Or I'm just trying to finish so, up so this say, last season. So say you're going to get out of here in two years. You really want two years of not playing in the NCAA tournament those last two years? Because that's probably what's going to end up happening to the Tigers. They're probably going to have a two-year postseason ban. You'd be okay with that? So what, 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 I'm, what I'm getting well, at... Well, I, I, get, I get what you're saying. But if your ultimate goal is to make the league, I'm saying I could be saving some tread on that tires. Once I get to the league, that's I'll, fair. I'll be a little more fresh. That's fair. I won't, My, be, I won't be competing for a national championship, but if I'm playing for one of the top schools, I'm going to have a lot of cameras on me. I'm going to be showing my play while I'm playing in the regular season against some of the best SEC teams and some of the best schools in the nation. That's true. That's true. My, my point in, in, in bringing that up is the, the ability of Matt McMahon to recruit these guys back to the program that they've been a part of knowing the punishment that's going to come knowing the restrictions that they're going to face now with scholarship reductions and what what have you he's still finding a way to convince them to come back so that tells you something about his recruiting ability 
and how he's able to keep a team together. And then, obviously, you expected him to bring his Murray State guys with him. I mean, that's just that comes with the territory. Those are his boys. Yeah, that comes with the territory. Um, the other thing I wanted to get into in this opening segment, the Ryan Tannehill controversy. So yesterday, Ryan Tannehill was asked about Malik Willis coming into the system, and basically the gist of the conversation was it's not Ryan Tannehill's job to mentor Malik Willis, but if he learns something from Malik Willis along the way, then that's fine. My two cents on it, and, and maybe maybe I, I said it wrong yesterday, Robert Griffin III puts it perfectly. He said, you're right, it's not in Ryan Tannehill's job description to mentor Malik Willis, but as the quarterback of the team, it is your job to lead everybody. Saying you won't help a young player add its unneeded tension to the locker room. Help the next guy and let your play decide who the future is. Puts it perfectly. Exactly. When, when you had showed me that tweet earlier, I, I was like, that, you're, you're you, right. you couldn't put it any better. Right. If you're supposed to be the quarterback... You're you're the guy of that team. You're supposed to be the leader. If you're if you're telling the young kid that that wants to learn and be better, if you're telling him, "No, I'm not going to help you." But like I mean, if you want to tag along, I guess. It's kind of like you're you're trying to be like big brother little brother, but you're being like the a-hole big brother. Right. Like, dude. Right. Like, dude, I I get it. You want to keep your job, but bro, you and, you've been slacking lately. And not only that, dude, you're 34. You, you, your career clock is quickly coming to an end, especially as a quarterback, especially one that's had a knee problem most of his career. It may not be your job to mentor him, and the only reason he's be he's been even. I guess you could say good is because Derrick Henry is taking most of the load from the offense. And so AJ it makes it Brown. a lot easier for him. AJ, AJ Brown, Brown too, but the most for the most part it is Derrick Henry. Right. And so if you're a team player and if you're, you know, a man of the organization like you claim to be, then you might want to teach the young kid a thing or two for the future. Not saying he's going to take your job now. Malik Willis isn't ready to play in the NFL. In two years, though, when you're 37, he might be. And then what? Ray saying Favre did the same thing to Rodgers. Rodgers did the same, has done the same thing yeah, to Love. Favre did the same thing to Rodgers, and Favre has gotten crap for it ever since. He has taken heat for it every day since. I just I don't I don't buy that. That's not the way you handle that situation. If you are wanting to do what's best for your team, you help the I'm not saying mentor the kid. You help, help you help anybody right. in any way you can. All 90 something guys that are on the roster right now, you help any one of them. That's just how that's just what it is. That comes with the territory. That's part of it. But that's yeah. You know, I'll, I'll hop off my soapbox now. That's we're we're good there. Let's take a time out, and when we return, 
the Notre Dame Lady Pios will join us here live in studio for an in-depth conversation on their season, winning multiple state championships, and where do they go from here? Crunch time with me, guys, and Mesh on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Had a rough day at work? Got lady problems? Not to worry, because you have two wingmen right here. You can be my wingman anytime. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to take you out to the ball game for their latest Astros weekend getaway. The Houston Astros will take on the Texas Rangers on May 21st, and you can be there. Just go register in the game clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a ballpark tour, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Lay Meridian Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh, Matt Miguez, James Mesh, and I am currently joined by some South Louisiana high school softball royalty. I'm going to say four-time state champs because COVID's not taking that from them. The four-time state champ, Notre Dame Lady Pios. I'm joined by head coach Dale Seurat, first baseman Abigail Savoy, and shortstop slash pitcher slash utility person, Corinne Poncho. Coach, girls, thank y'all for taking the time. How are y'all? Thank Doing you for well. having us. Absolutely, absolutely. Coach, I'm going to start with you. 30-5, and five, state champs, led the nation in home runs. We had, you had one player lead the nation in homers. You had one player lead the nation in RBIs. Just kind of walk us through the season as a whole. Uh, I think the season, you know, starting out, we, we always set a goal to try to win the last game we play. Uh, basically, to touch home plate more than the, the team we play in the – in the final game so uh just you know just taking it step by step game by game and just uh you know just trying to win the game in the front of has always always been our goal of course we you know we've had you know aspirational winning district championships and state championships but uh really just focusing on the game in the front of us you know you and I talked about it after you guys won the state championship last weekend and I asked you your thoughts through you know winning three straight state championships and you said that you wanted to build a powerhouse at Notre Dame because like you said football is a powerhouse already baseball does well volleyball does well you feel like you've done that and if you have if you don't you know what do you have to do here in the future to continue this success I don't think we've done it I think we're we're going in the right direction of, of getting there. I think it's just staying consistent and uh, just keeping our program at, at the top of the rankings in majority of, you know, the categories and just, you know, getting getting young ladies to continue to come out and play. It's, uh, it's I think, what, what keeps your program uh, in the upper ends of, of things. Abigail, now, so you led the nation in – RBIs. Yes, sir. A year ago, you led the nation in home runs. Yes, sir. You're going to LSU with your best friend, Macy Bergeron. Yes, sir. Just walk through all of that. You know, 
when, when you when you hear those stats and you sit there and you think about it, you know what runs through your head? Well, I think I've been blessed to be on a very talented team these past four years. I mean, obviously, I don't get RBIs if there's not people on base before me. So it's just a testament to our work together as a group to make things happen and to be successful. Now, look, looking ahead to your future, you know, what does it mean to go to LSU, like I said, with, with your best friend? You know, what's, what is that like? That is like a one-in-a-million shot. I just feel very lucky and very blessed to be going in with someone that I know and someone that I'm comfortable with. And I'm looking forward to making all kinds of new memories with her. Chatting with Coach Dale Seurat, Abigail Savoy, and Corinne Poncho here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Coach, sitting back and looking at it, you know, two players going to LSU, one player currently uncommitted and leading the nation in home runs you know you hear that what do you think like what runs through your head I mean these these three young ladies of you know when you work as hard as they work and you do the things they do on and off the field you know as far as the preparation they do to to make sure that they're sharp when they play uh, it's it's not really uh, it's not really something that you don't expect out of them because I've always felt they've worked hard to put themselves in the in the positions that they're in and uh, it's just exciting as a coach maybe even as a fan and, and definitely as a parent to see uh, to see people that work really hard get rewarded. Corinne I'm gonna bring you in now looking at the state championship game on Saturday you started at shortstop and then in the sixth inning you moved to the mound to to seal the deal have you has that kind of been your role all season? No, not really, but, I mean, we saw that Bailey was kind of struggling, and once that happens, I always usually go in and I have her back after that. Now, I, I, I got to ask you, you, you hit the two-run home run to give the Pios a, a 3-1 lead early on in the game, I think it was the third inning. You know, what were your, what were your thoughts in that moment? delivering for your team like that um I mean I felt kind of pressured because their fans were yelling at me and like screaming my name and all that but I just took my time getting in and out the box and when my pitch came I knew that I had to deliver yeah I I saw the point that you gave them (laughs) I, I saw it that was that was impressive um so again you know Three state championships in a row, technically four, six for the school. For you guys to be a part of that, you know, like how, what what are your, I know I keep asking this question, but like what, what goes through your head? Um, I think we all feel very privileged to be a part of the culture that is building at Notre Dame in the softball program. And I think one of the biggest successes that will be for us is if years after we're gone the softball team is still being successful and holding itself to the standards that we kind of created coming in coach what's the what's the future like for this program you know we get asked this question a lot because our our seniors have been such a you know integral part of what we've what we've done the last four years it's it's been the same group I've coached for four years we haven't had much turnover uh so I'm excited for our younger girls. I'm excited for our juniors. We have eight juniors. 
coming in. We have a couple of sophomores and even a, a fresh uh, freshman class that are coming in, and, and we have some kids that can play. Uh, we had some kids that that haven't necessarily got as many opportunities as as we would like them. I mean, a lot of these girls could could start and play at other places, other programs uh, not far from us. So to see them be patient and uh, understand and trust the process and, and still be great teammates and, and still show up every day to practice, uh, you know, I'm excited for those girls to get an opportunity to really showcase what they can do. So softball is uh, it's live and well for us right now. Chatting with Notre Dame head coach Dale Sarai, Abigail Savoy, and Corinne Poncho. All right. I'm going to put each of y'all on the spot. Let's go. I'm going to start with Corinne and then Abigail. Y'all have been with the team for four years now. Favorite moment of the last four years? Like your all-time favorite moment in a Notre Dame uniform? Um, probably the last out of this year's game. Yeah. I mean, my nerves were through the roof, but... I knew that we could pull it through. I think my favorite memory would have to be whenever we hit the home run that broke the national record last year. That was super cool, super exciting. It's not something that you ever think is a tangible goal, but whenever you work really hard for it and things go your way, it's something that you can achieve. Coach? I would say uh, my favorite moment, I've, I've, I've got a, a lot of them, but uh would be the double play. We turned uh, in the seventh inning. Not that it was a double play. It's just it's it's something we've done thousands of times. It's something that we work on every day. We take defensive practice. It's something I fussed about. The girls have, you know, griped about or we didn't do clean some practices. Uh, but to see us do it in pregame and it comes back into full circle for us and, and puts us in a position to win the game would probably be one of the uh, one of my favorite moments. So I'm glad you brought that up. Y'all were both involved in that double play because you pitched and then you were at first base. Walk us, walk me through how how that play you know came to be. And coach talked about how much y'all worked on it. You know, it, y'all were prepared. Um, at practice we work four and ones all day, so we're just kind of used to it. Well, Abigail's used to it because I mean she plays first, but um. I don't know. I don't really remember. I was just so in the moment, and I, I don't know. I just don't really remember the game because, like, I don't know. It scares me. <laughs> um, well, like she said, it's something that we work on a bunch at practice, and we had been having a little bit of defensive trouble the past couple innings, a little bit of misplays and miscues. So in order to get the opportunity to kind of put the team on our back and – take the responsibility is something that we're glad that happened because we're proud to deliver for our team. Corinne, Abigail, Coach, appreciate y'all taking the time. Uh, congratulations on I mean, all of the success. Good luck to both of you in, in whatever you decide to do in the future. Coach, obviously good luck to you guys as well. And um, really appreciate y'all taking the time. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Thank you. We'll take a time out. And when we return, the longtime voice of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, Jay Walker is going to join us to preview the home baseball series against the Mavericks of UT Arlington right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Going deep downfield, he's got a receiver, it's caught! 
Can't get enough of the vermilion and white? Then you're in luck. Here is the Cajuns Corner with the longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, Jay Walker, on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Mr. Jay Walker, happy Cinco de Mayo. How the hell are you? You know, I forgot that it was Cinco de Mayo, and um, I haven't, like, had a margarita today or anything. Well, that's that's very surprising coming from you. Well, no, it really is. Um, but since you reminded me what today is, I will probably remedy that shortly. Where, where's your go-to margarita spot? Oh, I, you know what? I, I'm, I'm really not a margarita drinker, but I will drink something in celebration of Cinco de Mayo. That's fair. That's fair. All right, Jay, let's dive into this. Cajuns have a three-game set with UT Arlington this weekend. UT Arlington not doing too hot this year. Um, and that and that's kind of putting it generously. Fourteen and thirty-one. They're six and fifteen in the in the Sun Belt Conference. Just right off the top, what do the Cajuns have to do to uh, to get the series win? Well, you know, UTA. I think one of the things. There's a couple of things here. First of all, UTA in conference play has really struggled to score runs. In eleven of their twenty-one conference games, they've scored three runs or less, and they're averaging less than four runs a game in league play. Now, having said that, they got about five arms who are pretty good, and we're going to see, I think, a guy who I think is pretty good uh, tomorrow night in, uh, in King, and he'll give the Cajuns some issues. But their pitching staff really only goes five deep. And the thing that, that's crazy about looking at UTA is the five guys that they throw a lot are guys they had last year. They brought in like 10 new pitchers, and none of them have made an impact. Um, and then on top of that, they lost seven of their nine position players uh, from a year ago. So, you know, they, they've had bullpen problems, and they've had um, problems scoring runs. They don't have much pop uh, in conference play. I think they've hit nine home runs. Um, you know, it, most of their issues are offensively. And if you can get to the underbelly of their bullpen, then they're really in trouble. Staying on on the Mavericks, you know, talk to me about you know some of their some of their leaders in in terms of performance. You know, who who hits the ball well? Who who are the good arms? What can we what can we expect? Um, Case and Gregory and Boone Montgomery are the two guys that are back from last year. Montgomery hit it right at three hundred last year. He, he's not quite as good this year. Gregory has improved. Uh, he's now taken over at shortstop. He played a lot of second base uh, a year ago because they had Josh Harris at shortstop who started there for like 13 years. And um, but and they've got one other guy, and his name is escaping me, one 300-hitter on the team, leads the team in home runs with four. Now, their pitching staff, King and Wong, the Friday and Saturday guys, were their two best bullpen guys last year. And uh, they would come out of the bullpen in short stints of a couple of innings, and they could cut you up. Now they're being asked to go six and seven innings, and they've had mixed results. But both of those guys are pretty good. Um, Winquist is their third guy. He pitched uh, in long relief for them last year. He's their third starter. And, um, you know, he's, he's comparable, if not maybe a little better, than some of the Sunday starters in the league. David Moffitt is their workhorse out of the bullpen. Um, he, uh, 
gosh, he's got as many innings pitched as the starters do. They'll use him twice on the weekend. Um, and the, the name of the fifth guy escapes me, but he's the only other guy who's pitched more than 10 innings in conference play. In conference play, they've only got five guys that have pitched 10 innings or more. So what they have to do to have a chance is they got to get their starters deep in the game. And, and it, when they do that, they have a chance. But if you get to their starters, uh, you know, before the fifth inning, uh, then the, then the bullpen gets explo- uh, exposed and they have problems. Chatting with the longtime voice of the Cajuns, Jay Walker, here on Cajuns Corner. All right, Jay, you know, looking at, at the baseball statistics for the Cajuns, you, hitting the ball has just been the, the forte for the year, right? You got four guys hitting 300 plus. You got one kid, Julian Brock, sitting right on the cusp of 300. And, and, the, and the hitting's really come on even more so as of late. Do you think the Cajuns can can keep that up over the last twelve games of the year? Well, they they hit I think three ten in the month of April as a team, and they're up to two ninety two in conference play and team batting average in, in conference play two ninety two. I no longer look at the overall stats. I look at conference only stuff because that's basically what you have the rest of the year, um, and the and the important games you're going to play are against teams that's played the same number of opponents in the same number of games that you have. I think that's much more an apples to apples comparison. Um, you know, the, the Cajuns um, have really cranked it up uh, over the last month. Um, I think they're playing the type of baseball offensively that Matt Deggs was hoping for. They've had some guys step up. Um, you know, Rockefort is putting up player of the year numbers. And at the same time, you know, when the Cajuns score fewer than six runs, they've shown to be vulnerable. Now, if they score six or more, they're 17 and 0. Um, but they scored what? Five against, um, App State in the finale and got beat nine to five. Um, you know, they're offensively, I think they're doing fine. Um, I think they're still inconsistent, uh, on the bump. Um, even now, even though Schultz and, um, Schultz and Wilson had, had tough starts, I still think that you know, those two guys are very reliable, even though they had tough starts over the weekend. Um, but, you know, the bullpen's been kind of hit and miss still. And um, that's, the, the, that's the question mark about this team. And, and you know what, Matt? That hasn't changed from the first time you and I talked. The difference now is that this team is playing outstanding defense. They're hitting the ball very well. Now, Jay, you know, you talked about the inconsistency of the bullpen on the mound, and I don't disagree. You know, you, you hit on that that hasn't really changed all season. But now's the time that you kind of need that to change and, and come around for you. How do you think Matt Deggs goes about doing that? Well, you know, I, I think all you can do is continue to work with the guys because, look, getting hit isn't the issue. Sometimes having problems throwing strikes is the issue. And once again, that got them in the Sunday game. They gave up eight free base runners and got beat. I don't know what the answer is. I'm not sure that Seth Thibodeau knows what the answer is. All you can do is keep working with these guys and, and hopefully 
more often than not, you have guys that throw strikes out of the bullpen because when they do, they're good because they all have good stuff. It's just a question of giving away too much and letting somebody get one big hit, and before you know it, you got a three-run inning on one hit because you weren't throwing strikes. So, uh, by the way, UTA is one of the top teams in America in getting hit by pitch. So they do get free base runners. They're averaging about six a game. Um, and that's something that the Cajuns are going to have to be wary of as they go into that series this weekend. Jay Walker joins us here in the Cajuns corner. All right, Jay, I know there's still 12 games left in the regular season, and then you have the conference tournament. But obviously, postseason ramifications start to come into the conversation around this point. Uh, the latest D1 baseball field of 64 projection has Louisiana as a three seed in Hattiesburg. How, where do, where do you stand on that? Where do you see the Cajuns fitting into that field of 64? Well, here's the problem with D1. And, and, and look, I have a lot of respect for those guys. D1 is making projections just based on what they've seen and what they think is going to happen. Here's the thing that never factors into it. When the conference tournaments come around, you're going to, you're going to have three, four, five, or more teams that aren't at-large candidates that jump up and make an upset and win the tournament. And every time you do, a potential at-large team gets kicked out. So it's important for the Cajuns to control what they can control and that's go out and win as many games as they can. But you know what I think it's going to come down to, Matt? You're going to have five teams maybe fighting for at most three bids. And I really think that it's going to come down to the teams that play well in the conference tournament because every time you go out there, you got a chance to notch a top 100 win. And for those teams that are on the bubble or on the fringe or whatever, going in and getting deep in the tournament is going to be really important. I don't think that the Cajuns are going to play themselves out of a bid or clinch a bid during the last 12 games. I think it's going to happen one way or the other in the conference tournament. So, Jay, obviously Mother's Day weekend is one that is is heavily attended because on Sundays, you know, the the players and the moms get together on the field for the ceremonial first pitch, what kind of environment are you expecting at the Teague this weekend? Um, you know, I, I think, it, you know, first of all, there are going to be a lot of people that are glad that the Cajuns are back home. You know, I, I don't know about y'all, but it feels like to me like it's been three oh, it's months. it's been a long time. Russo Park. Yeah, um, so I, th- I think just that in itself. Now, you know, Mother's Day is kind of a hit and miss because even your season ticket holders, you know, if you got a chance to go to Mom's house, maybe you pass on the Sunday game. Um but you know, Friday and Saturday ought to be um, ought to be rocking pretty good. I look forward to Mother's Day at the ballpark because I love to watch the interaction between the moms and the sons. Um, you know, none of these boys are anywhere without their mama, and uh, it's great that they can go ahead and just. I can guarantee you, when they were little boys, at some point in time, they played catch with mom. And they get a chance to do that Sunday. And, and that's special, especially for these guys who are seniors who are probably getting ready to, to play their final games. It'll be a little bit nostalgic. Um, but, I'm a, but I always look forward to that. The moms love it. And I think that's why I love it so much. 
Yeah, it's definitely a cool moment. Jay Walker, I got one more for you, and it's it's about your LA Dodgers, uh, sixteen and seven. They've they they seem like they figured it out. They're leading the NL West. You know what what are your thoughts on the Dodgers? Let's say almost fifteen percent through the season. Well, you know it's fifteen percent through the season. I'm amazed they're doing it when you consider that um, Max Muncie and Justin Turner combined aren't hitting their weight. Um, they've, they've managed to, uh, piece things together, uh, with their pitching staff. Kimbrell's done a really nice job out of the pen. Um, but really the Dodgers haven't started hitting yet. Right. And, and when they do, I think they're going to be pretty good. But even with that, two wins and a loss, two wins and a loss, you do that and you're probably going to win your division. So, you know, I, I like what I've seen so far. And the fact that they've been able to win despite the fact that they got guys that you know are contributors that haven't contributed. But, um, you know, in the meantime, you say, okay, guys, at some point in time, you got to turn this thing on. And that's kind of what I'm waiting for right now. Longtime voice of the Cajuns, Mr. Jay Walker, joins us here on Cajuns Corner. Jay, appreciate you taking the time each and every Thursday. Always a blessing to talk to you. And uh, we'll talk to you next week, my friend. I will look forward to it. Thanks for having me. Tune in next week for another edition of Cajun's Corner here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. After a two-year hiatus, the Brobridge Crawfish Festival is returning this weekend to the festival grounds in Brobridge. General admission tickets range from $5 to $10, and you can buy a three-day pass for $15. Musical lineup includes Wayne Toops, Chubby Carrier, and the Bayou Swamp Band, Gerald Grunig and Gentilly Zydeco, Sweet Cecilia, and many, many more. Great food, great music, and great times will be at the Brobridge Crawfish Festival. For more information, visit www bbcrawfest.com Matt Miguez, James Mesh, it's 4.50. We got seven-ish minutes until your top of the hour sports update. James E. So I, I got two things because I, I wanted to touch on one and now I've just seen something else. The Saints have reopened contract discussions with Jarvis Landry. See, si, senor. How how quickly do you see a deal getting done there? Could be as soon as the next couple of days. I'm thinking, we, we I'm thinking it could be as soon as the next couple hours. Really? I'm thinking we could hear something very soon. Ooh. I can't remember. Has Jarvis done an official visit? Uh, No. I think we would have to get a visit done. I don't think he's just not going to go just do a contract. I get it. Like he's probably he's probably been in the Saints facility before. I'm sure I'm sure uh, maybe at some point at like LSU. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think I think doing an official visit will make a lot of sense and then they do contract talks. So mm-hmm. I could I could see something happening on like Sunday. Then this No, is- no, maybe not Sunday, maybe Saturday. Yeah. 
be, Saturday or they wait till Monday. We'd have a lot to talk about on Monday. We would. And then here's the other thing. This is reports. The 49ers coaching staff has been continually underwhelmed by second-year quarterback Trey Lance. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, wow. So, all right. <laughs> is that why Jimmy G's name has just, you know, fallen Fall off, off the face of the earth? Could be a big reason. Because I they're mean, keeping him in San Francisco? Probably. They're like, well, Trey hasn't been progressing like we need him to. We never really had to trade Jimmy anyway. So, guess we'll just have to roll with him for another year. That's interesting because. I thought for the longest time that it was going to be Trey Lance's team. But if he's not performing, I mean, you're not going to just turn it over to a guy that's not performing well. Yeah, you're not going to throw your young buck to the wolves already. Right. If right. he if he's not ready, you don't want to throw him out there. It's intriguing. I'm I'm just I'm looking up his contract. It he's still got I think 2 years left. Let's see. Yeah. I, th- I think it, no, no. This year's years. his last year. Is they only signed him to a two-year deal. Well, no, his extension was. Like, oh, back you're talking time. about Garoppolo. Yes. Okay. I thought you were talking about Trey Lance. Game hotline is always seven zero six zero one one one. Anytime you want to chime in to the show, we're going to update the poll question. What's your favorite Mexican food? Is it tacos, quesadillas, enchiladas, other? So far, 54% say quesadillas, 46% say tacos. And Ton chimes in on Twitter, says, okay, at a Mexican restaurant, quesadillas. At Taco Bell, Mexican pizza, which comes back next Thursday. You see, Taco Bell would have been smart. The Mexican pizza would have came back today. Cinco de Mayo. Just saying. Um, if if they need help with marketing, I mean, I, I, I know a thing or two. So you got Jarvis Landry in, in conversation with the Saints. You've got the, the looming discussion of Zion Williamson joining the Pelicans on a, well, not joining the Pelicans, re-signing with the Pelicans on a max deal. There's there's a lot going on in in New Orleans right now. It, it's a good time to be a New Orleans sports fan. Let's go to the game hotline. Paul joins the show. Paul, what's going on? Yeah, I know. I mean, I know who who writes Jay Walker's paycheck, but I, is it that the Cajuns are playing that well? They've played three teams in the last five weeks with RPIs over 150. They're getting ready to play a team with a, over 200 RPI. They still have Monroe, which is like a 210 RPI. And you're 3-12 and on the season against teams in the top 50 RPI. So are they playing that well, or is it just who they're playing? What do you think? I mean, I think it's both. Um, you know, you, you, look at, you look at some of the some of the statistics. Look, man, I don't care who you're playing. If you've got a guy hitting 369 with 12 home runs and 52 ribbies, you're playing good baseball. It doesn't matter who you're playing. You got you got four guys hitting above 300 and well above 300. 315, 317, 319, and 369. You've got three starting pitchers that have ERAs 
You have two now after this weekend with ERAs below four, which is which is right where you want to be with, with a starting pitcher. And over the last couple of weeks, they've put themselves back in the regional conversation. Ah, I guess you answered my question. It doesn't matter who you play. All right, thank, thank you. Thanks for the call. <laughs> I mean, again, if you're putting up those kind of numbers, I mean, of course, it matters who you play. I think I think he might have taken that out of context. It matters who you play. But also, if you look at the RPI, it doesn't always factor in just wins. I mean, those losses to Arkansas and Stanford and who who was the third team at Brown Rock? Stanford, Arkansas, and Indiana. I mean, those were RPI boost. This coming up series with Texas State next weekend, going to be a huge RPI boost. The more, LSU, more success LSU has, RPI boost. It's not all about... You know, uh, I digress. I digress. I'm a I'm a run for two hours just on that topic alone. After this top of the hour sports break, we'll have hour number two of Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh, Elliot Cloth of the University of Northern Iowa will join us to do an in-depth analysis on Saints' new offensive tackle, Trevor Penning, on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two of two here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana sports station. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. We're... We spent a lot of time this week doing analysis analyses on the New Saints draft picks. Tuesday we spent time on DeMarco Jackson. Tomorrow we've got Alante Taylor and Chris Olave. Today let's dive into the other first round pick that the Saints made. The offensive tackle out of Northern Iowa, Trevor Penning, and here to join us. To do that is Mr. Elliot Clough, formerly covering the New Orleans Pelicans for Boot Crew Media, now with Town Square Media covering Northern Iowa. Elliot, good afternoon, my man. How are you? Hey, guys. How you doing? I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate you taking the time, man. I really do. You know, looking at Trevor Penning, just a, a mauler, of a, of an offensive lineman, you got to spend some time covering him at Northern Iowa. Just kind of walk us through, you know, your experience with him, covering him as a player. Right. So every single evaluation that I've seen has it said that he is a mauler and that he's just a huge human being, and both of those things are absolutely true. So Trevor is six seven, three hundred and thirty pounds, and at the FCS level playing for UNI and, and in the MBFC Missouri Valley Football Conference, Trevor dominated the competition literally all year. And, and if you'd like a reference 
and don't want to go back and watch the film, you can go to uh, Pro Football Focus, PFF. They have a 99.9 grade for him on the run game. And uh, when you look at the stats, he allowed one sack over 12 games the entire year. I think four QB pressures looking back at it. So Trevor is not only a massive person, a massive human being, but he's good at the game of football. And, of course, he's got some technical stuff to work on, but the Saints hit a home run adding him and, and plugging him into their offensive line. So one thing that, that has really stood out to me in, in researching Trevor is his relative athletic score. Uh, since 1987, which is the fur- was the year that they started using relative athletic scores, I read that there have been 1,218 offensive tackles graded on that scale, and Trevor Penning came in at a 9.95, which is sixth best at the tackle position. Just how walk through, you know, what he's going to bring to the table for New Orleans, you know, with those with those intangibles. Right. So Trevor is. So when I talk about the technical stuff that, that he needs to work on, being at the FCS level, he is such an athlete that he's able to rely on that sometimes when he gets beat. Now, he didn't get beat very much at all, and there was a couple times against Iowa State. I'm sure uh, some of the people listening have seen the film against Iowa State. Maybe they're a little bit concerned from that. But the thing about Trevor and, and his athleticism and his strength is that he's been able to rely on that so much at this level that – you can go back and, and say, okay, yeah, he needs to work on the technical stuff. And once he gets the technical stuff, he's going to be your left tackle for the next 10 years. Um, and, and I'm sure some people have seen the video of, of Trevor doing a windmill dunk, too, showing off some of that athleticism. Again, being 6'7", 330 pounds and able to throw down a windmill dunk. That shows off that athleticism. But when you look at football and the tape that he puts on, I mean, he's got all the physical tools to be – what the Saints need him to be. And, and when you reference that athleticism, um, and, and that's a huge credit to uh, you know all the measurables and stuff like that. That's a huge credit to the staff, not only on the UNI football team, but the staff in the, the weight room and, the, and the, the weightlifting coaches at UNI because they could continue to pump out athletes and they continue to develop these guys like Trevor Penning, like Spencer Brown, who's now the right tackle for the Buffalo Bills. Both of these kids came in twigs. Spencer Brown was an eight-man tight end in high school. Uh, and when Trevor came in and did a, a visit, he was wearing a kicker's jersey. And, and now he's grown into a huge human being, literally like two of me. And, and so Trevor has shown what it's like not only to have natural athleticism, but to put the work in and, and to really, really gain a bunch of weight and, and gain a bunch of strength. He has the, the squat record for UNI football. I believe it's 675 pounds. And so it's not just natural athleticism, though he does have that. The, the, the measurables and those numbers that he's been able to put up in order to have such a fantastic RAS score has been because of hard work and, and a lot of time spent in the weight room. Chatting with Elliot Clough here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. You know, you talked about Trevor Penning walking into Northern Iowa as a twig. You know, he gained over 100 pounds since, since high school in his time at, at Northern Iowa uh, Coming out of high school, he was listed at 6'6", 260. How do you, do you think – are there details of, like, a diet that Northern Iowa had him on or the weight reg, – like, the workout regimen? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a great question. 
So it's kind of a, been a running joke with some of the guys that I've, that I've interviewed. And it, it's, it's not just Spencer Brown. It's not just Trevor Penning that have come in to the UNI football program and put on a bunch of weight. There's Briley Moore, who's currently with the Tennessee Titans. He came in as a wide receiver and, and came in and finished his career as a tight end, became much better blocker than he was when he came into to Cedar Falls. And he had to put on a bunch of weight, too. The running joke is, spend a lot of time at Rialto, which is one of the dining centers on campus at UNI. So not only did they get in the weight room, and you know it was a lot of the, the, the um, high reps, but also low reps because you got to build strength and you got to build size, but also eating. Like these dudes had to eat and to the point probably of being uncomfortable. And I'm not sure if you can relate to this, James, but being a skinny guy myself who's just naturally been a twig his whole life, in order to gain any weight and, and to gain and, and add to my physique, I had to pump food into my stomach, and, and that's what these guys had to do, too. And to a degree, like, it's kind of funny uh, considering the world we live in, but it's almost hard work eating that much. Um, but the, these guys, clearly, in the amount of weight they've gained and the amount of knowledge of the sport that they've gained, um, it's clear that, that you and I not only knows how to mold these guys, but that they bought in and, and that they really want to continue to be better football players um, and, and continue to to improve their game. I completely agree, Elliot. Uh, I know it's been a struggle for me, definitely, since I am definitely a skinny guy, and I do eat quite a bit. I, I had a, a <laughs> much bigger appetite than I do now. But I did see some some tape of Trevor before, and like I had, I had seen it on Instagram, and he like he was so aggressive, but he was throwing the guys down, and it was dangerously close to the QBs. Like he even knocked down one of the guys in the drills when he was at the pro, at uh one of the combines or one of the pro days. Do you do you think that's a concern that he maybe has a bad habit of throwing them down and it ends up being near the quarterback and it could potentially injure someone like Jameis? Right. You know, looking at the if you're just looking at the Reese's senior bowl tape, totally understand where that comes from. Now, I didn't see it in terms of him throwing the uh, opposing lineman into a QB at UNI. I didn't see that one single time in his career for the Panthers. So it might have been a situation where he's like, I, I'm matching up against these FBS guys. I have to show the scouts what they're going to get from me and maybe even overdo it because they're probably going to overlook me because of my, my, the, the level that I'm coming from in the FCS and, and at UNI. So I, I think it might have been a little overcompensating by, by Trevor, but – I've heard this from from experts and and former NFL players where they're saying, you know, you can coach that out of guys, and and I think that's going to be a focus for the Saints and, and as well as the technical stuff where it's just like we love the energy, we just need you to tone it down a little bit, and you'd rather have it like that than the opposite way where you you feel like there isn't a dog in a player like that, and so I, I understand the initial concern on the face value of it all, but but Trevor is is one he's coachable. And, and two, I, I think the circumstances probably over-amplified the, the, the concern of, um, of him throwing, throwing opposing linemen into your quarterback. Elliot Clough joining us here on Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh. Elliot, I've got a few more things I want to touch on, and one of the biggest ones is the fact that Trevor Penning was a zero-star recruit when he walked into Cedar Falls. You know, talk to me about how he's been able to play with, with a chip on his shoulder in his time in Northern Iowa and how he's going to translate that into the NFL. Right, yeah. Under-recruited, 
the only scholarship offer he got from UN or got uh, from from a Division One football program was UNI, um, and so that is honestly like like what players that that went to UNI that ended up going to the NFL. That is a pretty common sentiment. I mean, for for those people that might not know Northern Iowa off the top of their heads, that's where Kurt Warner went to school. He only played one year at UNI and then went on to be an NFL Hall of Famer, win a Super Bowl, be an NFL MVP. David Johnson, who is uh, running back with the Texans, I believe he was he was an offensive rookie of the year his rookie year, but he went to a few Pro Bowls and, and was dominant early on in his career. Now, it hasn't been so much as of late, but that's really the running back position for you. Um, and, and then Spencer Brown, too. Spencer Brown, like I mentioned, he played eight-man football at, at UR when he was in high school and was a tight end coming into school. And for Trevor Penning, we went to Clear Lake, or he's, his hometown is Clear Lake, Iowa. For frame of reference, that's a 2A school, which is the same size of school that I went to when I was in high school. And for, for frame of reference, I graduated with 80 people. So Trevor is, is from very humble beginnings. He's continued to work hard. He's continued to show that, that he has bought in. And, you know, and, and that's another reason why I think New Orleans is a perfect fit for him because he's, a not, he's not going to necessarily get in your face. He's not necessarily going to be a huge media guy, but he's going to put in the work, and he's going to be a saint through and through. They're going to love Trevor Penning because he's not going to be perfect with the technical stuff when he shows up day one. He might have to play right tackle before he plays left tackle, but – he is going to embrace the city, and the city is going to love him right back. And I, I, I think any fan of New Orleans sports or any person in New Orleans knows that to be true. Tre- Trevor has has ascended and, and exceeded expectations that the UNI coaching staff had for him and, and the weight room staff had for him, for that matter. And I think uh, it's just over and over and over again, Trevor has shown what he's capable of, not only with the athleticism, not only with the strength, but the learning the game of football and becoming one of the best offensive linemen in the country. Now I've got I've got one more. You know, you, you kind of took a question right out of my mouth. You talked about how he might not be able to play left tackle right away. You said he he might have to play right tackle. Where do you see you, you see him fitting in at, at right tackle early on for the Saints? I do, and and I think it's it's more of a situation pointing more toward uh, Jameis Winston and just being aware of his surroundings and having a rookie at right tackle as opposed to left tackle is a little bit more, <laughs> I think for most people, that just provides a little bit more confidence. And, and we know Ryan Ramchick played left tackle at Wisconsin. Um, of course, there might be some other things that you can switch around depending on uh, how you feel about <clears throat> the rest of the guys on the line and, and who filled in with for Teron Armstead when he was injured. But for Penning, I think initially – I trust him more at right tackle than I do at left tackle day one. And, again, that's a day one thing. With the amount of hard work that that Trevor has put in, and, again, I've referenced it over and over in terms of the food, in terms of the weight room, in terms of learning the offensive line, he's a guy who, with the the practice, with learning more of the technical stuff, with getting adjusted to the speed of the game at the NFL level – he can be your left tackle for 10 years, and that's what I expect from Trevor Penning. Not only because of who he is, not only because of the work he's put in, but I, I trust the coaching staff for the Saints as well to, to be able to work with him and for him to put in the time to figure out what it means to play left tackle in the NFL. Elliot Clough has been our guest. Elliot, I appreciate you taking the time, man. Uh, really enjoy getting to talk to you, and uh, hopefully down the line we'll be able to chat again. Yeah, definitely, James. Hey, man, anytime. Thanks. There he goes, Elliot Clough of Town Square Media in Iowa. So, 
looking at the poll question before we take our, our break, what is your favorite Mexican food? Is it tacos, quesadillas, enchiladas, other, you know, enchiladas, James, not getting a whole lot of love. People not big fans. Not getting a whole lot of love. Only 6.3%. 56% have said quesadillas and 38% have said enchiladas. Uh, got a message from Martin. Says, made a Twitter account last night. Miguez is probably going to hate on my username. His username is at we underscore them underscore boys underscore 37. I said it yesterday, Martin. You are them boys. You're going to go 12 and 5, win that cruddy division, and lose in the divisional round to whoever wins the wild card. That's just that's just the Cowboys' fate as, as long as Papa Jerry is is making the plays. I don't know if you had seen this, but uh, apparently Jerry Jones was involved. He was in, involved in a car accident. In a, yeah. in a minor car accident earlier. Yeah, uh, that's, uh, that's sad. It really is. Yeah. Um, but I did read that his injuries didn't appear to be serious. Yeah, so that's, I, I, I saw it was, it was not serious. It was just minor things. That's uh, so that that's good. That's fortunate. Yeah, but again, you know, be a Cowboys fan all you want. I will never. But if you want to, go for it. But at the end of the day, as long as Jerry Jones is making the decisions about this team, second round of the playoffs is all you're ever going to see. Just my two cents. We'll take a timeout when we return. We're going to talk some LSU baseball, and we're going to have audio from the newest Saint, Mr. Tyron Matthew. Also, hotline open for the remainder of the show. 706-0111 if you want to chime in and get in on the show with Miguez and Mesh. Right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles at a Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. May 5th, 1925, Detroit center fielder Ty Cobb goes a perfect six for six with four runs scored, five runs batted in, and 16 total bases in the Tigers' 14-8 victory over the St. Louis Browns at Sportsman's Park in St. Louis. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to upgrade your experience for Downtown Rising. It's the ultimate Downtown Rising VIP experience. You can score a pair of VIP passes plus a chance to meet the Cold War kids. All you have to do is register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to win those VIP passes for Downtown Rising featuring Cold War kids on Saturday, June 4th. The ultimate Downtown Rising VIP experience is presented by Social Entertainment, Raider Solutions, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, and the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. I don't think Hannah will make it in tomorrow. <laughs> That's a massive margarita that she just sent us. <laughs> massive. Hannah Five Names living living her best life this evening at a Mexican establishment. I would probably have to in, guess Agave. It looks like Pedro's. You think it's Pedro's? From the inside. It looks like Pedro's. Uh, but no free ads. So, 
comments on the Facebook poll question. Jude Miller says enchiladas. I'm I'm, I'm down with an enchilada every now and again. Edward Purvis says fajitas. You see, that's more of my move. That's more. I'm surprised I didn't put fajitas as an option. Jamie said tamales with queso. Queso blanco. Queso blanco. I I couldn't see the blanco part. White queso, baby. This guy's living large. Dude, that sounds delicious, actually. It really does. Dip it. Boom. Look, Jamie, how how about this? How about you make some of that and and you send it mesh in my way? Because that sounds incredible. And then Julie Jones says quesadillas. I I like quesadillas, but I don't know if I'm ever going to order them from a Mexican restaurant. I'll make them at home. Like that's fine. But am I going to order them at a Mexican? No. At a Mexican restaurant, I'm either going to order tacos fajitas or I'm just going to eat chips and dip because there have been times where I've gone to a Mexican restaurant and just ate chips and queso let me get some tacos dude (laughs) some tacos dude (laughs) alright so here's something that we've talked about a little bit not today but just you know throughout the week and weeks prior and, and it's NIL and I saw something that came across Twitter that I just feel like needs to be discussed because we've talked about how there needs to be, you know, lines in NIL deals, right? Texas running back Bijan Robinson. Who oh man, I remember that name. Right. Right. Tore the Cajuns apart last September. He has signed an endorsement deal with the Lamborghini dealership in Austin. He posted on Twitter, he says, when dreams turn into reality, God, I'm grateful. Thank you, hashtag Lamborghini ATX, for the partnership. Hashtag Lambo partner. And then the article continues, Robinson has had several NIL deals already, signing with C4 Energy Drinks, Raising Canes, and Kendra Scott. But it's fair to say that this one is by far the most eye-popping, especially if he gets to take that blacked-out Lambo he's sitting in home. That's too much, man. You see, there. I'm talking about how there needs to be a line, and he just stepped about 10 feet beyond it. Man. That's too much. This makes me wish I'd play college football. <laughs> like, that that just, I, I don't understand. And, and this is the problem because now the NCAA realizes the mess that they've put themselves in and wants to get out of it. They want to backtrack on, on what they said a year ago, but you can't do that now. It's too late for that. A caller said that the other day. It's too late to go back. If you didn't put the cap from the jump, you're going to struggle to put it. Because what, what are you going to do? Tell these kids that have already signed these deals that they have to cancel the deals? You can't do that. Because you made it to where... Hey, I need that Lamborghini back. Right. Like, what, what, No, hell no. You, you can't... You made the rule to where athletes were free 
to go find their own deals. You're not brokering these deals, so you can't get into it now and say, oh, look, sorry, we changed our rules and we, we want to redo what we said. Or No, it doesn't work that way. It, it doesn't work that way. That's like breaking up with somebody and then a year later going back to that person and saying, hey, I don't like the way we broke up. I want to I want to change things about it. Like, no, then no. Do I think it's ridiculous? Absolutely. Is he 100% entitled to go and get that deal? Yes, because he has no cap. There, there's no, there's no rule. There's no line on what he should do or what he can't do, and that's part of the problem because now it's going to be even more of the haves and the have-nots, right? Your big schools are always going to win now. Let's go to the game hotline. My man Martin coming in here on this Thursday edition of Crunch Time. Martin, what's going on? Oh, not too much. Hey, buddy, I wanted to uh, to kind of chime in and see who uh, y'all picks, but y'all probably didn't get to see it, but the UFC got uh, a pretty good fight card this weekend. Yeah, they do. Um, uh, maybe... Uh, kind of chime in on who y'all y'all picks are or whatever or if y'all are gonna do that tomorrow but uh but yeah man and uh i want to apologize to you yesterday because uh i didn't know how old you were so uh yeah man i'm not expecting you to know who uh jeff blake was <laughs> you know man, no apology necessary <laughs> man i appreciate that though but, but yeah if y'all can kind of chime in on the ufc they got the uh Charles, Charles Oliveira's fighting uh, Justin Gaethje for the, I think it's the lightweight title. And then they got uh, Rose Namanunes fighting uh, Esparza. And then Michael Chandler fighting Tony Ferguson. But if y'all can kind of chime in on that, I, that'd be cool. Thanks, man. Y'all have a good one. Yeah, for sure. Appreciate you, Martin. All right. So I was going to wait to talk about this tomorrow, but if Martin wants to get into it now, then I mean, can 100% do that. Yeah, Charles Oliveira and Justin Gaethje for the lightweight title. You see, I'm a big Dustin Poirier guy being from Lafayette. And Poirier was was Oliveira's last victim a couple months back. Um, Oliveira is a natural-born animal. The things that that dude is able to do in the squared circle, in the octagon, it's ridiculous. It's insane. Um, The odds right now, he's minus 170 to win the fight. Justin Gaethje, I mean, he's a good fighter. Don't get me wrong. He's had a great career in the UFC. Do I think he can take down Charles Oliveira? I don't. I don't. Um, if I'm honest, I, I think the next person that's going to be the UFC lightweight champion is probably Michael Chandler. I just, I don't see Justin Gaethje being able to, to take that, that belt away from, from Dubronx Oliveira right now. Uh, the women's fight, I'm going to be completely transparent here. I, I don't know anything about either one of these fighters. Oh, Rose is scary. Is she? Oh, she's scary. 
I don't I don't pay attention to UFC too too much. I don't really um, either, but I the know few, the few names that I know are Charles Oliveira, yeah, of course the Diamond, yeah, Chandler now, and Rose. Rose is the one girl that I I know by heart. Amanda Nunes. Amanda, yeah. Juliana Pena. No. Well, no. Juliana Pena beat um, Amanda Nunes a couple months ago. Um, I mean Rose Nama Junas. I probably butchered that last name, but whatever. She's minus two twenty. I mean, I would take those odds. I'm doing a parlay. I would probably. I would just take that whole left side. Yeah. I would just take Charles. Chandler's Rose. minus three eighty. Yeah. It's... I I would take that too. Uh, now that's no disrespect to Tony Ferguson. I like Tony Ferguson, but man, Michael Chandler is on a hot streak like nobody has ever seen before. And then looking down the rest of the card, I, I don't know the other four. Yeah, I I'm not. I don't familiar. know Rua or Saint Prue. I don't know. I've never heard of Cerrone or Cowboy Cerrone. You know Cerrone? Yeah. Oh okay. God, yeah. He he's the guy that uh, Conor McGregor knocked out in like thirty seven seconds. Oh, he was the one. That, mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. I could remember his name. I yeah. do remember McGregor Cal- knocking somebody out. I was playing pool that night, and yeah. we, we had it on our phone. And we were like, "Oh, the fight's already over." Yeah, yeah. I no. took one shot, and we were like, "Oh, it's done." That was like, oh, that okay, was cool. that was that fight that McGregor came back before he fought Poirier. Yes, and he knocked the guy out in like forty seconds. Yeah, that was Don, that was Donald Cerrone. Um. And yeah, I mean, looking down the rest of the card, I'm, I'm not familiar with with anybody else. But those three main fights: give me Oliveira, give me Rose, and give me Michael Chandler. I know those are kind of cheap bets because those are the odds on favorites. But yeah, but if you if you do a parlay, I mean, that's what I'm that's what I'm rolling add, with. It'll add with it'll add up. I'd be interested. What we'll do during the timeout is I'll actually put that parlay together, and and figure out what the odds are going to be because I'm intrigued now. So we'll take a time out, and when we return, we'll talk about that, and we'll take your phone call, 706-0111. Crunch time with me, guys, and Mesh here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you out with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you will have the opportunity to win some excellent prizes, like a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. We want to help you take your lady out for some delicious seafood, but you can only win that $50 gift certificate to Half Shell by joining the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. It's crunch time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 in Lake Charles. Let's go back to the hotline. James chimed in during the timeout. James, welcome in, man. What's going on? What's going on, gentlemen? How are you, sir? I, uh, I'm doing good, man. I wanted to... Uh tell you, Matt, uh, Chandler's definitely not on a hot streak. He lost his last fight to uh, Justin Gaethje. I believe in uh, November they fought. Right, right. I, I, when, I, when I said hot streak, I meant of, of recent popularity. Oh, definitely. Um, 
I mean, a lot of I, I was I was um, agreeing with the opinion that they I think they gave Chandler that fight way too early, um, but they tend to uh, give guys fights who they think is more popular rather than who's more deserving, I believe. But um, yeah, I, I'm that uh, Oliveira uh, Gaethje fight, man. I wouldn't be too sure about Oliveira winning. Uh, Gaethje is a dog, man, and. Uh, Duke can definitely take a punch. I think if Oliveira does win, I think it'll probably be by submission. But um, I'm picking uh, I'm picking Gaethje on that one. I mean, and that's that's a very fair assumption. I could see Gaethje winning. I just Char- Oliveira's submission game is just so impressive and so strong. He's so good. Yeah, he's so good. Dude. I, I, did you watch the uh, Chandler uh, Gaethje fight? Because that was a war, man. I did. Yeah, it, that was a great fight. That was one of the better ones in in recent memory for me. For sure. And um, I don't I don't really care for Chandler that much, but I don't care for Tony Ferguson either. So I just kind of hope they beat the hell out of each other. Right. Right. That's fair. That's fair. Hey, man. But appreciate anyway, the call. That's all I have to say. Thank you, guys. Absolutely, man. Appreciate you. So looking yep. at. Looking at the the wagers, looking at the the money lines. If you go Chandler Rose Oliveira, the odds are plus one eighty nine. If you take all five favorites on the main card, it jumps up to plus five twenty six. But James, let's get risky here. Let's say you take all underdogs. <laughs> just, just to all, look at it. All five of them as let's underdogs. Go, let's go all five underdogs. So we take Gaethje, we take Esparza, we take Ferguson. You take Rua and you take Lazon. A ten dollar bet would win you a clean one thousand nine hundred twelve dollars and fifty four cents. If all five underdogs would win on on the main card. I don't envision that happening. However, crazier things have happened. Like James guessing the correct score of the Super Bowl. I'm a prophet. Don't even. I'm a prophet, he says. Listen to you. Oh, look at that. Your headphones almost don't fit on your head anymore. It's it's well as so much. Yeah, it's it's expanding. Right, right. Now, say say you go St. Prue. And Cerrone as your two favorites, and then you take Ferguson, Esparza, and Gaethje. Ten bucks would win you five fifty. That's still a heck of a payday off of ten bucks. Now again, this isn't a situation where we we offer you know some some betting odds and. When it doesn't work out for you, you, you call on Monday and say, man, you lost me money. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. I told you what I would do. I didn't tell you what you should do. There's a big difference there. Big old difference. James, let's talk about this, okay? There's a, a post on Twitter from Mock Trades, and it is a mock trade between the Lakers and the Pelicans. And this trade has Los Angeles receiving Valanciunas, Devontae Graham, and Larry Nance for Russell 
Westbrook. I didn't catch the full terms, but I heard Russell Westbrook, and you automatically you ruined me. You ruined it right there. Valanchunas, Graham, and Nance. No, for Westbrook. You can have you can have Graham, and we'll take a second rounder. I don't want Westbrook anywhere near my locker room. Yeah, don't give me anywhere near my locker room. Let's go back to the hotline. Martin has returned. What's going on, Martin? Oh, not too much. Yeah, I have to agree with the last caller. Uh, that chimed in on the uh, UFC fight, but I don't know if y'all know this. Uh, Oliveira's on a 10-fight 10, 10 win streak right now, and it's uh, it's tied behind Kamaru Usman. He's he's on a 15-fight win streak, which I don't see him losing anytime soon. But, uh, but yeah, I have to say uh, I have to go with uh, Gaethje in that fight. But uh, I don't know if y'all watched uh, when Oliveira won the belt. Uh, it was vacated, and it was uh, it, he was fighting Chandler, and Chandler had actually had Oliveira beat, but I think he just ran out of gas, and then Oliveira just finished him off or whatnot. But but yeah, man, uh, I think it's going to be an interesting fight between him and and Gaethje, because Gaethje, like that last caller said, Gaethje's a dog, you know, and uh, but um, if I had to pick, I, I hope. Before he retires, my boy Dustin Poirier gets gets the belt, man. I I think he's got a, a fire lit under him like no other right now. He's, he's training hard and everything, and uh, I think eventually he he gets the belt before he retires, buddy. Yeah, I, I do too. I say, yeah, I I think I think Poirier wears the gold again before he before he hangs it up. Exactly, exactly, man. I have to agree with you on that one, but yeah. uh I think I got to go with, with, with. I think it's going to be a real, real entertaining fight. And uh, if, 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 and I don't like, I don't like Chandler. But if he gets another title match, uh, I think that'll be another good fight as well. But, but that's all I have to say, man. And I appreciate y'all, man. Thank y'all. Thanks, Martin. All right. And you know, talking about Justin Gaethje being a dog, that that's one hundred percent true, because I can remember. Gaethje and Poirier fighting a year or two, maybe three years ago. Wasn't too, too long ago. And man, that was one of the ugliest fights of Dustin Poirier's career. I mean, that was just down and dirty, good MMA. And, and Poirier ended up winning. But yeah, Justin Gaethje, he, he deserves to be in a title match for sure. Um and and it'll it'll be interesting to see see what he does against uh against Oliveira. Um I might have to tune into uh to this one. I have a tendency to only watch the ones that that Poirier's involved in, but I keep up with the others and uh this one might be catching my interest. But back to back to the trade. Valanchunas, Graham and Nance for Westbrook. Hell, like I just I can't. And then the other thing is, even if you match the three, if you add up the three salaries of Valanciunas, Graham, and Nance, they don't cover Russ. I mean, Valanciunas is making about five a year, Graham's making about three a year, and Nance is making about five a year. And you got Westbrook making twenty-two. No, thank you. Nick Fontenot commented on it. I just threw up in my mouth. 
Yeah. Same. Uh, that's not that's not a great trade. I don't think that the Pelicans need to make any trades this offseason unless you're going to get a veteran guard. And when I say veteran guard, I don't want Russell Westbrook because technically he fits the mold of a veteran guard, but no. I, that, I don't want a prima donna in my locker room. We'll take a timeout right here, and when we come back, we'll take one last look at the poll question. We'll wrap up your Thursday, and we'll get you set for a Friday fun show. Matt's got a, a fun announcement to make on the other side of this timeout here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Today is the day that you join the game clubhouse. Not only is it free, but you will get the chance to enter to win tremendous free gifts. How does a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse in beautiful Cybers Bayou Casino sound? You can only win that $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's by becoming a member of the game clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. So go sign up today. Yesterday, the New Orleans Saints brought home their golden child, their prodigal son, the honey badger Tyron Matthew, to a three-year, $33 million deal. And he held his introductory press conference yesterday. And one thing that he touched a lot on is why now was a great time to come back to New Orleans. Well, to be honest, you know, I've I've lived a, a long life, you know, in this NFL thing and you know, going into my 10th year, you don't know how, you can't always depict the future. I think, you know, uh, when I realized the Saints wanted me and, and obviously I wanted them, you know, it was a situation that I knew I, I wasn't going to pass up. Um, but, you know, I'm just more, you know, happy with the support, you know, that I have around me, family and friends and just all the people that have helped me get to this point, you know, in my life. The other thing that the Tyre Matthew touched on that I really found interesting is the way that the conversations between he and the New Orleans Saints organization really how the whole situation developed coming into free agency I, 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 I've been fairly quiet really been just kind of letting things play out and you know the Saints was really the only visit that I went on and uh, I think from the get-go, uh, I knew where I wanted to be. And from there, it's just all about everything kind of coming together and aligning. And so, like I said, I'm sure there's a lot of people that was praying for me, rooting for me. And um, it, it just feels good to see it all kind of come together. But I've, I've kind of been manifesting this for, for a while now. You know, a lot of former teammates know this. But just to have this opportunity means a lot to me. Final update on the poll question, Diaz get the win on Twitter at least, 50%, 5.6% say enchiladas, 44.4% say tacos. Martin coming back on Facebook and says, yeah, I think Prejean is yelling at the top of his lungs right now. Absolutely no Westbrook, or like Jim Rome calls him, Westbrick. Russell Westbrick. 
James, did you know that the Russell Westbrook became a, a, a bricklayer? Oh, I've been knowing that. I've been did, saying did Westbrook. I've been saying that. I don't want him. I don't want his game. I don't want his attitude. I, I don't. I don't want it. Just don't. James, what what are you looking forward to tonight in in the world of sports? What's going down? It's pretty bare bones. We have no NBA playoffs. Hey, my Washington Capitals are playing tonight. My Washington Capitals are playing tonight. Game two in the Eastern Conference quarterfinals against, uh, against the Florida Panthers. I don't know. I may just try to dust off the old PlayStation 4 and get on some hey, Madden. There you go. There you go. Maybe. Want to send a shout out to our guests, Elliot Clough, Jay Walker, and the Notre Dame Lady Pios. James Mesh, thanks for all you do, the producer extraordinaire and the co-host with the most. I am Matt Miguez saying be safe, be well, hug your mom and them. The Friday Fun Show is tomorrow. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Talk to you tomorrow.